Hello, I hope you're doing well, and thank you for listening to our show. Today's guests are Ivan and Lana Rados. Um, I realized I was calling him Ivan the whole time, which is not his name. They are the healing maestros at the Magic Witnessing Meditation group. And what they are is they're a group that's devoted to helping people um, to find a new understanding, maybe working through some mental barriers, maybe it's something more significant like depression, anxiety. Um, it is something to be added to a, a regular uh, mental wellness hygiene practice. But they believe that they can help other people to achieve a new understanding in whatever it is that they're going through. And they invited me to one of their ceremonies to be a part of it, which we'll talk about in a later episode. And this was recorded before that happened. And we talk about what it is and the benefits of it and how they got involved into it. They were awesome people to talk to. Um, and I, I, I really appreciate their time. And I really appreciate your time for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. You're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. We have with us uh, Alana and uh, Ivan Rados. Um, they are, how, how would you describe your, yourselves? Ooh, um, okay. We are. Uh, you know, let's start from the beginning. Goodness, <laughs> how much, how much, how much time do we have? So, I'm um, a psychotherapist. I was trained in clinical psychology, both back home first in former Yugoslavia, later in England when we fled from the war and ended up there. I had to retrain some portion of my qualification, like postgrad, and I specialize in trauma, especially early childhood trauma and relationships, and, um, and uh, what else do I specialize? Oh yes, and uh, personality disorders. The personality disorders, <clears throat> bipolar disorders, and all those disorders. Yeah, but personality know. disorders, my keys is on personality disorders. So that's and my background. And psychedelic, psychedelic that's what it, where I was going to go. Yes, and, I, and Ivan is a spiritual teacher, published author, many books. Uh, bestsellers. Um, also, uh, he used to be in the, the his previous life in this incarnation. Uh, he used to be a well-known artist, and his artwork is like has been purchased by many European museums, especially in the UK. Um, and uh, he is a meditation master, an energy healer. And we both are now also, um, what would you call it, psychedelic um, guides. assisted, yeah, guides, okay, psychedelic assisted no, therapy. Psychedelic, psychedelic chauffeurs. Chauffeurs, yes. <laughs> and uh, and we, we especially uh, play lots of emphasis on integration work mm -hmm. after uh, you know, assisted uh, therapy. Mm -hmm. So that's one of our expertise now. So what you mentioned, um, psychedelic chauffeurs, and that you're, you're sort of guides through this psychedelic journey. What, how did you 
get into that? What brought you into that? <laughs> now I have to start from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be here forever. <laughs> it's not from this life. Hmm. It's just like, you know, you're born with something that you know, and you can, you can, you know, jump into that unknown and try to figure out and collect some pieces through, you know, past regression or meditation or this technique or that technique, even breathing can do that. And tap into that, uh, where that knowledge comes, where that urge comes, where that understanding and experience of all those details and everything, it's, I know, you know, I, and that's it. So once you take the medicine that you used to do before, then it's like the entire book opens and then you know and then there is a confirmation and to be a little bit more so, yeah. specific if i may yeah. may i yes okay yes, of course. just yes i agree with all of that but i want i actually want to give the precise uh, answer how this happened but i'm leading toward that oh, okay, <laughs> okay. You know, in this reality you know uh, i've been always fascinated by you know the that reality the other reality you know astral plane you know etheric plane cosmic plane and um and when i was age eight or nine i got a book by uh barbara brennan astral projection i think and everything explained that with geometric shapes and forms and i've been drawing geometric shapes since i was a kid you know triangles and squares and combination of those not knowing that i was playing with archetype yeah his mother showed me when i met her first uh some of his early artwork from uh kindergarten and elementary school and i was shocked <laughs> like i i thought whoa <laughs> like this man um, he was he was this boy was uh, painting uh, pictures with black sun and purple grass and geometric, sacred geometry shapes. And you don't see that. that. And, and he was failing art class, he said. <laughs> uh, I had to talk to, me, to my mom because there is something psychologically, you know, wrong with me. Right. So anyway, and then I just managed to with visualization and meditation certain state of you know consciousness to lift my body and i was floating and looking at my body and my body was sleeping and i was looking up i looked up and the entire universe was open for me <clears throat> and all kinds of portals and i have a i can go everywhere i want and that and that particular moment of that liberation and freedom and sort of like um, curiosity what's what's beyond this what's beyond that the thought came in my mind and said what if and i was immediately in my body <laughs> that sort of like shook me totally and set up the path to discover what's blocking me to really go there hmm. and that's my emotional attachments my unhappiness my story from this life, my personality, Whoa. and my family. I was born in very dysfunctional family. My father was alcoholic. My mother was very devoted, you know, Catholic. Controlling. You know, controlling, all about 
all about punishment and suffering. And you know, she used to beat me and my sister every day. And my father died from alcohol. And then I just have to do something, either, either to rebel and, and go and show to everyone, including my parents, that I can do it, or, you know, rebel against everything and be revolutionary, or another is just use that opportunity and heal those wounds and come to my knowing that what was imprinted in me through eons of my experiences, because, you know, we are alive forever. Mm. The awareness that you're alive, if you have that, then that awareness is the proof that you're alive forever. You might forget that, but at one point you're going to remember again that you're alive. You tap into that understanding, to that knowingness, you know, here and there. But if you can tap that into, sort of plug yourself into it forever, then it becomes a joy and bliss. The recognition of that soul that's craving to be reconnected to your being. That's why we engage in psychedelics, because psyche means the soul. So through the soul, you know, we journey to rediscover the wholeness within us. Wow. And uh, when, I, when we met 30 years ago, I was um, very much informed by science, even though really psychotherapy is art, not science, but I was very scientifically grounded. And I was by um, atheist family, practically. My father was an academic intellectual and that was my pursuit too. That was, that was all I was interested in. I had zero interest in spirituality or zero respect for people who would consider themselves spiritual or religious. And then I met him and um, that's a whole story for a Hollywood movie, how we met. It was a instant recognition by this mm. on the soul level. Even before we saw each other, we felt each other's presence and immediately turned towards each other. And in that moment, I knew he was going to be in my life forever. And that was my first ever so-called spiritual experience. And I had no idea like how that was even possible. And I knew I was going to talk to him that night, but he knew much more in that moment than I did. And, when, and then, of course, he approached me, uh, and I was there with two other friends, female friends. And he told, he whispered to each one of us as he was introducing himself, something so profound and deep and personal. It was as if though he literally saw into our souls, and we were totally astonished, all three of us, like in tears. And I thought I had to, I have to talk to this person more. I have to see what this is about. Because for me, I had no conceptual framework for that. I like, <clears throat> that was just crazy. And, but I was curious, obviously very curious. And that's how we started dating. I was just curious to, to find out who he was. And the more I discovered, it, even though the more fascinated I was, and especially because I kept witnessing the incredible things that he was manifesting, uh, I was still really reluctant to accept it. My world was being shattered in a way. My ego would not allow that because I was very powerful in my ego. I was already a well-known therapist, even though I was very young. 
but it's only 30, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it would mean to abandon everything I based my success on. And I just was real, I was constantly debating and kind of arguing, not, not arguing like it's fighting, but debating, arguing with him. And he was just smiling and explaining things and letting me be all like, oh, but that's not possible, blah, blah, blah. And he kept manifesting more and more until I, until one day when he manifested something that would literally be considered a miracle. I literally just started crying and saying, okay, you know what? I, you know, I, I can't argue this anymore. I can see now that there's far more uh, up about us and about life than what I can explain in my language with, with my concepts. And uh, I can see that we are guided and I can see that you are guided and I want you to guide me and teach me. And he became my spiritual teacher and opened this door, this incredible magical door for me. And it wasn't, uh, and he brought me into first psychedelics experience many years ago, decades ago. And um, that was my first really profound healing experience with psychedelics, yeah, right? We, yeah, just, just, just we were ready to separate. And I yeah. came and said, I mean, anyway, you know, I love you, you love me, but we cannot mm. function together. Two egos are clashing here, so right. didn't we join and see what happens? <clears throat> I've been waiting for this moment since I read Castaneda when I was eight and nine, you know, and then that fascinates me that that reality that there is easy access to the reality. So you and can it, access and you were the trying reality. To persuade me, and I, I was reluctant. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can access the reality through hardship, you know, hard practice, education mm -hmm. like meditation, yoga you know, visualization, and it's like, you know, but you can access that, but just by spirit plant medicine. It's a shortcut, <laughs> It's right? a shortcut, but it's not shortcut. It's just like your willingness to dive into that unknown becomes your shortcut. Sure. You see, that, that kind of intent, that that's what I want. Because, you know, doing healing, I realized that healing, I can divide in, you know, 50-50, 50%. -50, 50 Healing is done when the person decides to be healed. Done. Yeah. That is just the process where you have to go through because in this reality you have to go through time and you know in space. Mm -hmm. You know, to something that you energetically set up as the blueprint, as the as the sacred geometry, you know, imprint that becomes structure later on. So what what is this sacred geometry? I mean, we hear of things like infinity and um like the nautilus shell it like kind of keeps going what what exactly is sacred geometry sacred geometry is um blueprint of the universe certain blueprint or certain uh uh creative aspect that becomes uh a norm in a way universal norm you know so but also very, you know, the, 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 the nature of sacred geometry is very fluid. And it means the consciousness expressing itself through infinite pieces through fractal, fractal division, you know, because consciousness is everywhere and nowhere. So in order to create something, you need to create certain, certain formula, certain stump, certain portal for the manifestation to happen. 
So you create, you condense energies through archetypes like line, four, you know, circle, triangle. You condense, you condense the conscious intent and then becomes the, you know, blueprint and just matter of time and, um, the portal, you know, for right? the, and the portal for something to manifest or something to move from place to place. It becomes a, a device for communication, designation and, uh, and uh, creation. Because like, um, what do we really know? And I think we make assumptions so that we can make sense of our world, you know, through certain schemas or, or what have you. But when we sort of suspend our disbelief and we just kind of let it happen, that's when the magic happens. Because yeah. I think that we just, we fight so hard to make sense of this world, but the sense that we can make is rather inorganic if that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, when you go outside, it's all concrete everywhere. That's inorganic. And we can make sense of that very easily. But yeah. when you're out in the woods or something like that, you just, you can't control that. But yet, you know, that's why I think when we're in the wild, you know, out in nature, that's when we feel this, uh, you know, I don't feel the disorders of existence that I feel when I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you guys think of that, but. No, I, I, we totally agree. That's why we are uh, really extremely drawn to nature. We've all, we always, mm -hmm. we literally this summer have been camping most of the time and working on Zoom and have only been physically in town when we had to do some things that have to be done in town. In nature, because we are nature. So in nature, we are ourselves, right? Um, and, and we absolutely believe that nature is healing. And that's why we, we uh, run this wilderness retreat a few weeks ago. It was a three-day retreat with, filled with therapy and, and spiritual guidance and healing and medicine and all of that. And it was in wilderness, right? Under, like in the bush, under the trees, under the stars. And everyone said it was magical. It was well, far beyond everything else that we've done because of the combination of that wisdom, right? Of the nature and us. And I totally agree with you that, that in some way it's, it sounds almost like, as to me, it sounds like you're saying that ego is inorganic in a way, mm. you know, because it is really, it's not our es essence, it's not who we are, yet we all develop it in order to survive. Part of the journey, we need it. We need it to protect ourselves, to, to form a certain, structure of uh, of beliefs of representations of, of life and ourselves our place in life when we are little right it, it, it's absolutely it's part of our journey and um, and then another part of our journey is to start dismantling that and getting to our true nature who we are and it's all part of the journey so we all need ego to survive and we all need to start dismantling it and understanding and also, it. it. It's not just that we need ego to survive. We need ego to challenge us in order to, you know, for consciousness to learn <coughs> and disconnect <coughs> for something that does not serve. Yeah. You know, it, that's, what, that's what expansion is. You know, you yeah. cannot expand if you keep hoarding things, hoarding emotions, hoarding thoughts, hoarding ideas, hoarding this, hoarding, and calling it knowledge. There's nothing to know. You, you know, you have to go through the experience. Yeah. And experiences, life you go through, naturally you're supposed to go easily, but you know, your mind is giving hardship to it. 
because the mind is, you know, there to control. So that's the right. whole game there, you know, who is controlling <clears throat> who and, you know, how to get this out, how to get out of this predicament and disconnect yourself from something that was given to you as a tool. Because mind is a tool, it's not who you are. The right. way you who you are is not really who you are. That's your definition. That's the mind trying to understand something that is unknown. So we are talking about here known and unknown. So known is something that you really don't know, but you assume because mind is assuming. It's, it's assumption, nothing else. You know, projections and ideas and theories. And, you know, I always collected by others because in, in real, we don't have any single thought that we can claim ours in our mind. Right. All other thoughts that we claim our thoughts are just recycled energy, concepts, ideas, phenomena. You know, that someone tried to form something out of formless moment of now that is flowing all the time. Yeah, so once you freeze the moment, you got the mind. And that becomes your attachment, which becomes your separation and becomes your blindness and, and suffering and misery comes as a consequence. So what we think we know is just borrowed knowledge, really. Borrowed knowledge. So real knowing is when you totally submit, surrender yourself to a known. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. To well, the direct experience. That's why I love psychedelics, because once you decide to jump into this absolutely unknown creepy, scary stuff in reality. Wow, that becomes brave act. 50% of your journey is done. The other 50 is just traveling through. Because right. there's always light at the end of tunnel. <laughs> and that is you, you are traveling towards yourself. Well, I like, so you'd mentioned misery. And it's something that I'm, you know, that I'm uh, not necessarily fond of but i'm interested in is understanding why people suffer in pain and i think you nailed it on the head that it's control we're trying to control things we're trying to micromanage things that are just not ours to control i have no control i could get hit by lightning i could get hit by a car i got no control over it but i have to accept and you know just let go well Actually, Nicholas shared the saying that you guys coined. I think it was, uh, it was like, it was kind of three parts. Oh, Ivan's allow, accept, go through, which is let go. Yeah. Accept, go through, which equals letting go. Right. Letting go. And, and like, uh, I, you know, I work with kids and they are just the coolest people to work with because yeah. they're so curious, right? They yeah. just wonder. They, yeah. they know that they don't know, right? They're truly yeah. Socratic in how they yeah. see the world. But then yeah. as we get older, we have to pretend like we know. Yeah. And that just shatters our confidence because we can't ask questions like, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Well, you should know what you're supposed to do. You're 28 years old, pull yourself together. And that's crushing. But for me, I'm getting to a point where it's like, wait a minute, kind of the more I relinquish of what I think I know, potentially the happier I can be. Yeah, the more you will actually literally know because it's a different kind of knowing. It's not the borrowed knowledge that we, that, we, that we so desperately hang on to, 
to defend something, to feel safe in the world, and it's a fake safety and it doesn't work. And that's why people are anxious, people are depressed, right? Mm. And look at the world, look what's happening now, just on social media, mm. there are two groups arguing all the time. People who believe that the virus is gonna kill us all and that people who follow the establishment to the dot and people who are totally on the other end of the spectrum, conspiracy, believe that everything is conspiracy, that virus even doesn't exist, and everyone in between, and people are constantly fighting. And I was always, i always so curious, like how interesting that people are fighting instead of like what our nature is, as you said, like kids. Right. Oh, it's interesting, you think that way. Tell me more, I want to know. How did you arrive at that place? Wow, I want to, you know, yeah. I want, how come I believe this and you believe that? And who knows? And I've always been surprised how, how confident people appear to be about their beliefs. Like how adamant, like this is the truth. And if you don't believe the same, you're not in my camp. And how dare you? And you're a horrible human being. Like how, how I've never understood personally how people have that much um, conviction, yeah. you know? Like what? How I, I'm 62. I'm going to be 62 next month. I'm not 62 yet. <laughs> I hardly know anything. I still don't know what's right about this particular situation or politics. So I honestly don't know what's going on. And I'm okay to say that and to admit it and keep open-minded and keep watching. Mm -hmm. But I do know more and more about some stuff that's important to me. Like I do know, I keep knowing more and more about what we are made of, who we are, truly. And that's more important than all of the rest. Sorry. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. as, you, as you said, this, this whole thing that we really, that we, the, the, the more mature we become, the more authentic we become, the more we grow in our authenticity, the more we realize that we don't know. And yeah. if we believe that we do know, that just means that we really are not very highly evolved. Yeah, you know, here yeah, the point, <laughs> when you don't know something, you know, there's a natural reflex. You know, you have to feel this with immediately something that will satisfy, you know, satisfy that hunger. In a way, mm -hmm. wanting to know, but mind wanting to keep the status quo. I don't want to know. I'd rather replace my knowing with belief and the belief becomes a mind glitch and the certain thoughts are just going in a circle in circle in circle you don't, like that you don't actually the mind does not allow any other thoughts because that's the disturbance because you know the thoughts are going to restructure themselves and so you beliefs so you're going to extend your belief you're going to delete something that's not serving and you're you know there's an entire process there a very natural flowing process of energy trying to find balance in equations and you know and there's ego who is saying i don't want to change that's right it. i'm gonna die for my belief and then you see around people dying from their silly fucking belief. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, uh, have you ever read, um, oh shoot, Stoic philosopher, Marcus Aurelius. Have you ever checked out his book? No. Patience? He says in it, he, he's talking about a specific religion. Yeah. He's I'm like, I love him, but I, can't, I don't think I've read anything. That's some yeah. quotes Sorry. here and there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he says like, like, why are you dying for this? You don't even know what it is. 
what yeah. you know is right, what is right in front of your face. And you brought up this idea of what's the difference between defending and expanding? Because I think that those are two ways of living your life. Absolutely. And I said that recently, I think in our yeah. uh, live Facebook, that I noticed that even when I was very young, I was curious. I noticed that old people to me seem to belong mm. in only categories. Like you see either sweet old men and, or women, or you see grumpy, miserable ones. Right. They're very distinct polarities. There's almost nothing in between. Like it seemed to me that the older people become, the more polarized they become, and the more black and white, and the less shades of, of uh, others, uh, other colors they lose. And the and and what I and I was wondering how come. And what I noticed was through my own journey is that, you know, the more we work on ourselves, the more we are willing to suspend our ego, our attachment and investment in having to know, having to be somebody, having to, you know, having mm -hmm. to impress, having to prove, uh, you know, having to feel important and knowledgeable or whatever that mm -hmm. is powerful. The more we are willing to dive into the unknown, the more we are willing to be, become vulnerable and, right. and present in the raw, naked now, mm -hmm. just as we are to ourselves and to the others, which is very scary the more sweet, the sweeter we become, the kinder, the nicer. <laughs> and the opposite, those who are defending their ego structure, their belief structure, whatever they formed early in their lives, and, 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 and they, they have to keep defending more and more as they grow older, because life keeps hitting them, giving them an opportunity to break those, to shatter those defenses so they can emerge authentically. But if they keep defending against that, the more they are constricting instead of expanding and evolving, mm. and the bit more bitter and miserable they become, the, the smaller their worlds become. Mm. That's just my observation. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, I look at myself and, you know, uh, confirmation bias, I would, I would kind of listen to the same stories that reflected my own assumptions. And I, I remember thinking like, well, I'm not learning anything from this. This is all information that I already possess. Why don't I listen to the other side of the argument? Awesome. If you ever really want to confuse the shit out of yourself and the internet search stuff, look at both sides of an argument and it won't even know what to advertise to you, right? Yeah. I agree. That's what I'm, I'm in. A, right now, I'm in a confused state. I seriously, in terms of what's happening in the world, I'm honestly totally confused. Right. And but guess what? I'm totally comfortable with it. No. And that's the beauty of it. Thirty years ago, I wouldn't have been confused. I wouldn't have been happy and comfortable with that state. I would try to latch onto some sense of mm. that, that gives me a sense of security. Yeah, she's confused, but I'm at ease. <laughs> Is it? And at ease and clarity. These are at ease. Oh, the world at the moment is so clear, absolutely clear. It's for you. everyone to see. You have two sides. You have people who are with the soul and people without the soul. <laughs> but everyone has soul. No. Oh, you mean detached from them? They have soul, but they didn't work on it. They didn't mm -hmm. accept it. They didn't, they didn't include in their being. They are in denial of it. You know, what soul is? What soul is compassion and love and 
wanting to prosper, wanting to help, wanting to share, wanting to bring joy to your life and others. Once you bring hardship, you don't have soul. Mm. You know, that's why psychedelics are really important because you know people who guess what soul, who don't know what soul, or who have a, you know, tiny little you know, memories of touching that little unknown and then having blissful moment for a second or two, they come and they want to connect. You know? And that's the way to heal the world, you know, teach people to connect to their soul. And that's the only real no, no, knowing, knowledge. <laughs> well, I, but, I was, oh, go ahead. Yeah, the known, you know, so you have to dive into that unknown to discover something that's your original. Because original is not in your thinking. Original is beyond your mind. So you have to surrender your mind to go what's beyond. And that's the scary point for people. So you, you talk about the soul. And I mean, again, I, I, can't, I can't recall the philosopher's name. Soren Kierkegaard. And he said that there's a sickness of the soul. And this was in like the 19th century. And now you look at the world and you're like, I think we might have a chronic sickness arising. And when I told a friend of mine that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in trying psychedelic medicines to, to put, try to get a new understanding, he was like, well, you're a drug addict. And I said, well, hold on a second. What, what is pharmacology yeah. right now? But, you know, that's, that's worse. They're that's called drugs. They're called drugs too. Yes. They're drugs that are legal drugs. Yeah, and they're highly addictive, you yes. know, and the, it's font size six, and these are the side effects, right? So I guess my question is, is how do you work on the soul? <laughs> you, work in the soul. you cannot work on the soul. Right. There's no work there. You know, there is, a, there is an old Lumerian teaching, and they were talking about Holy Trinity, Mm. Not the aspect of father, son, that's the, you know, other, you know. This is a sacred geometry, the triangle, the, of course, yeah. For whatever reason, invented. But this one is body, soul, and consciousness. The body is the visible temple, a vehicle, a particle. You know, you can see it, you can touch, it's matter. You know, matter cannot exist without energy. Actually, energy is the matter. Matter is energy. Particle is a wave and wave is a particle. So that invisible vehicle or temple is your soul. So the body cannot exist in this reality without soul embedded in the body. And all of that for consciousness to experience two realities and merge them together in the grand plan of reuniting with the whole. So you enter your soul in order to enter physical body for the experiences mm -hmm. in this struggle called spirituality spirit and reality you know in the experience of you know being a human being human and being you know that kind of right in a way and combining those dualities so everything that is happening negative at the moment is actually absolutely full of positive impact yeah, because agree. it becomes a challenge so that's the mind creation and the mind is gonna die you know one right. old dysfunctional mind structure is dying at the moment 
and that's that's a new one is being born or so many other being born right now which one you want to attach yourself it's the call but the ultimate divine call is to detach yourself from all the mind structures and go back to your heart and then you can use your mind you will not be used by your mind that's the new age that's the fifth dimensional reality or fifth oh. dimension, or whatever you want to call it you know and i and i agree that what you said you know about the the sickness of the soul chronic sickness of the soul emerging right now and i we totally agree both uh, I, I believe yeah. and i see it and you know what i am actually grateful for it i'm happy because hey it's emerging that means shift something birth, is happening giving birth, changing. giving birth sometimes can be easy but if there is a resistance oh the birth is gonna be very hard very painful exactly yeah. like, i can't fathom what birth is like but uh, my wife did it I know, man. <laughs> she says that i don't know shit so exactly. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> but it, it's 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 great it's um i don't i don't know if like it's like for example sometimes if you have a very hidden chronic disease and you start eating it you will get acutely sick all of a sudden you'll actually have symptoms they're getting far worse well I, that's just a healing response i think we're living right now in the soul healing response time right i'm picking I'm, that up hell yeah and so and i'm grateful sorry yeah. for everything that's happening and i'm grateful to all of those people those who believe this and those who believe the opposite and for their presence on so, in social media i'm grateful for all of that they're creating tension that's dialectically moving us right. towards it's it, bringing right? this awareness that like we're sick and, we need and, to heal ourselves yeah and the transformation starts right so I think it's awesome. I think we'll live in fantastic, like this is a fantastic time to live through, really. Because mm. we, we are on the cusp of, you know, like I, I've said before that our next step in human evolution will not be in how we wage war against each other. It will be in our hearts and our minds, which is- Absolutely, or we're not gonna grow another pair of arms. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Ahead. You know, we've already we've already discovered the ways to completely destroy this world. Yes. Yeah. The world, what happened when you remember who you are? Simple You're not going to be picking on anybody else. That's for sure. No, yeah. because you wage war because you don't know who you are. You are taking a role of someone else. You know, you are a zombie. You are a clone or whatever. Mm -hmm. Someone operates you through your mind, through your beliefs, through your definitions of who you are and what reality is you know there are masters there and just waiting for you to say you know, i don't want to be responsible for my soul here is my soul you know keep it do whatever you want to and then you sign the pact with devil in, in a way return, that's the signing return, pact with the devil i'm not responsible for myself you be responsible for me please and that's how we give power to governments to agencies to right. god you know, the whole point of now in the situation is to regain the power back and say, I am <laughs> whatever and however I am, but I am and I'm aware and my awareness is the proof that you are the same as me. So I love you, brother. So that's, that's what we are gonna, that's where we're going. You know? 
So will there ever be a point where everybody is at this, everyone on the planet will be at this new level of consciousness? It's already, it's already done. Hmm. It already exists. That everybody everything, on everything, is on that level of consciousness? Everything, everything, everything that you can imagine, everything that you can think about, everything that you it's can- already even, happened. Being there that you say, oh, it's impossible. It's possible because you spark the light and the light is just a matter of time and energy input oh, into it. Okay. You know, whether it, when it's going to be manifested. So All the magic, saying, they think I, magic is just our unknowing. Are you saying the, the blueprint is here right? and exactly. it's just, we're just going to catch up? Our consciousness it. is the blueprint. Our consciousness, create the geometry, intent, and surrender yourself, and it's going to manifest. So the fact that we have thought of something means that it will. Yeah, it will happen. Yeah, it will happen. We, you can't think of something that's impossible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, because space is so massive, right? Like, I could be like, well, you know, surely there's not a planet where. But okay. if you can think it, then I guess you have the language to do it. But, like, there's limitations to creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 10, 15, or maybe 20 years ago, they were doing some experiments with bipolar disorder, and they were, they were, they were looking at a person in the moment, the person will switch from one personality to the other. You know, what's happening, you know, in the brain and, you know, blood pressure and all of that. But they were also looking at the physical aspect of it. You, you don't mean, do you mean bipolar? That's not disorder. a different personality. That's just different state, like manic or depress, depressive. I don't know. Particularly yeah. about what kind of that's okay. that, that's your field, but I'm talking this <laughs> so at, at the moment, you know, the one personality had a blue eye eyes and okay. a cancer dissociative disorder, not bipolar, whatever this okay. cancer and problem with kidney. The mm -hmm. other one green eyes and very healthy. The moment the person switched from one personality to the other, physiology changed. He changed the color of eyes instantly, and he was free from cancer. The moment he switched to the other, the cancer was there, and that wow. was the miracle. That's no, it was not a miracle. Yeah, you know, you are the miracle. You know, when you well, are talking about the moment and you create what your intent is, you know, it's the reality that's there for you. So that's the law of this reality, and it just manifests itself because the. The oneness, the wholeness is powerful and that's the nature and it's embedded in you, within your consciousness. You can do it as well. We all can do it. Well, that's reminding me of um, uh, one of our, um, well, he's now a volunteer angel who worked, uh, who was, uh, you worked with him, right? Mm -hmm. And you told he had severe allergies and Ivan just talked to him about how he can decide not to have allergies. And through just that talk, he never had allergies since then. Wow. The power of manifestation. Right? Yes. Yeah. And, and that, and which is, it's interesting how um, we talk about things like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and it has this very Western sanitized, scientific sounding thing. But the reality is, is Buddhism, which has been around for almost what 3000 years. It kind of came up with all this stuff, right? Like yeah. nothing, like you say, nothing is new, right? Sure. Maybe we, we paint with different colors, but for the most part, it's, it's kind of always been there. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We just want to structure it, categorize it, put it in boxes and dominate it and control it <laughs> so yeah. that we can claim it ours and so we can feel some sense of, sense of empowerment by using it. But as you said, it's all but like... It, yeah, but the ancient. cosmic meaning, the cosmic meaning is to, you know, to challenge yourself. A hundred percent. And you know what? Maybe no challenge you. You don't expand. You don't grow. You don't learn. You don't. You know. You are. You are setting up. You are setting yourself on trap. Which is a really good point because uh, I don't know about you, Lana, but in some of the and obviously you know respecting confidentiality, but in individuals that you've worked with with depression and anxiety, do you think it's because they don't challenge themselves? They don't. They don't pursue their intent. Oh, I, I think that it's more, I absolutely agree, yes, but um, I think there's a little bit more to it. Uh, we need to look uh, from a broader perspective, sure. not just person, we need to look at the, the society and the state of the world. And yeah. I think all of that plays a part. Uh, just even when you look at one individual being depressed, you need to zoom out a little bit. So yes, I agree with you, but I don't think that's the end of the story. There's more to it. And even just, uh, I think it's a matter of the perfect storm. Right. Because even if you start from just the very basic of the foundation of the pyramid, like what do we eat and what air we breathe and the pollution and our body not getting in, bodies not getting sufficient nutrients, maybe amino acids for certain neurotransmitters to work, or maybe we are overwhelmed with toxicity. We are from the, you know, pollution uh, right. and that's hijacking our system. So there's that element, there's biology that's involved and what we're doing to the whole planet and to ourselves in terms of pollution. Then there is a, there's obviously, there's a traumatic experience from childhood, which arrests, the, the emotional development of a person and that keeps reenacting and a person starts getting into a certain, certain loop uh, consistent uh, of certain beliefs about themselves and the world and other people. So there's that element that's personal development, uh, right? Like ontogenetic factor. Then there's phylogenetic factor, the, the, the genesis of the whole species of humankind and where we are at in terms of our evolution right now and and as you said the right. of the soul which is really the sickness of the whole society of the whole world so it's it's a lot, a on, lot. Top of that, but, on top of that the you know the the, the memories and, and imprints and experiences from the realities and other lifetimes and and also and ancestorials one to certain aspect of reality that you cannot see but it is very influential and connected to them. But, and, and, but to circle back to what you started with, even though I believe that the, all those factors play a role in mental health, uh, I agree that it really is, uh, uh, it starts with, uh, it can be even, it can even finish there too, with that kind of awareness and intent. I totally do believe that. I've actually, we both work in, um, addiction treatment center mm -hmm. once a while and uh, it's interesting that every time I ask a person who's struggling with addiction who came to treatment center uh, when I ask them why now 
like they all, they've all suffered addiction for years, some of them decades. So I said, why now here? And you know what each one of them says? Uh, except those who've been mandated, I'm not counting them. Right, right, of their they, own volition. Yes, they just said, I've, I've had enough. I, was, I, I became sick and tired of myself in this life. Yeah. So in that, when you arrive at that place, and the, that place of awareness or where you are at in your life, you really open your eyes and you see yourself like as, as you are without bullshitting yourself, right? Mm. Without the, all the stories telling yourself and you say, I'm done with this. And all of a sudden an agency inside of you awakens uh, and all of a sudden you have power to do something. And I think they're already healed just by that. And that then, honestly, I, all, I think they're not addicts anymore. And yeah, they, just need to come, yeah. they just need to come to the treatment center to develop different behavioral patterns, behavior, behavior, different neurological patterns, yes. because that has to catch up with consciousness, with intent, right? As Ivan keeps saying, you need to catch up with it. The, the blueprint is there. Yeah, and also they, because Lana was, uh, you know, asked to join the team. And because of Lana, they, they were open to uh, do, uh, to receive the meditation teacher master into their practice and do healing. That's another aspect because you can't heal that addiction without including the spirit in it. Of course. Yeah. Because then you are yeah. gonna go repetitive mind pattern because mind is an addict. You know, how can you delete your past? How can you delete what you did? How can you delete your guilt? How can you, wow, it's a huge, big mess there. And then your hope to be healed. And if you don't have proper guidance, then can be hopeless attempts, which leads to another addiction. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, and it's great actually seeing him. As Ivan said, they uh, invited him. I was the one originally working there and then the owners met him through me and they were really uh, amazed and they invited him to work. And he, he had never worked with addiction before me as a therapist, of course, I have done it. And I was really curious to see what would happen. And oh my goodness, like he has a session with a person who was forced to come by their parents because he's 20 or 19 or whatever they would be. And all of a sudden that person is transformed. And I see a person, you know, like who's really, like who is there and, and wants to get rid of addiction, but is really miserable, really doesn't have any sense of internal, internal goodness, any sense of mm. or any benevolence in themselves. And, uh, and a session with Ivan, and he always makes them cry, of course, and sometimes angry too. They get sometimes very angry with him because he can be really direct and almost seemingly harsh and brutal, but right. with all that with compassion. And all of a sudden you see, again, as I said, there's an agency that awoke in that person that you can see it in their eyes. There's somebody there actually who, who obviously is, is back, plugged in back into their power, into their, their authentic power to heal mm. and to be. People tap into their soul. They recognize themselves. They said, thank you for coming home. It's like, yeah. I love myself. That kind of accept right. uh, all all things I did before. You know, I can feel guilty about it. I can fight it, try to forget it, or I can turn with my guidance, like guiding them to say thank you, because that thank you is your salvation. Because thank you is your 
entrance to your heart. You know, when you're saying thank you for everything you did, or I did, because that led me to this point where I'm knocking on my door and I'm going home. I'm going to my heart and loving myself. And thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I agree, actually, really thank you for saying that. I, because um, that's something that I always tell my clients too, from my personal experience, from my own personal growth, uh, that uh, was the mostly, most accelerated through moments, times of uh, intense emotional pain. Mm. And uh, what I discovered uh, was that when you are, and that's what Ivan was trying to teach me before, but I, I couldn't, I mean, I cognitively got it, but it just didn't click until it actually happened to me. Uh, and and the, and the times when I was in extreme turmoil uh, emotionally, and all of a sudden something just, I, I don't know, just something, and I, I think that something is the, 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 the spontaneous reconnection with my soul happened through that extreme pain. Because pain has... Mm capacity to 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 um, break to literally crush destroy all our defenses right and then we are open to something else and 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 what happened to me i all of a sudden became aware that all that's happening even that immense pain that that made me suicidal that immense pain was for me and Ivan had been teaching me that he always says don't even ask why me. Like that's not how life works. You're not a victim. It's why now, why this, not why me. In other words, what am I supposed to learn from this? Not like, oh, poor me, which he always says, just be grateful for it, invite it, be grateful. And honestly, something happened, and all of a sudden I was washed with a sense of gratitude for that immense pain. And a huge transformation happened. Just that moment of gratitude, and I agree with Ivan, it's so important. If we, if we can tap into the gratitude for whatever is, as much as we maybe don't want it, but still be grateful because to remember that Ivan keeps saying it's all from you, through you, and for you, not to you. It's all happening from you, through you, for you, and not to you. Like such an empowering thing and that's where you can find gratitude and that's really the, where the magical alchemical transformation happens i've that was amazing i i, I think that gratitude we i think in our hearts we always know where our intent lies and especially on social media like you know i used to post things and say things that i look at and i'm like you know, I was so detached from my authenticity that it's kind of like, it's almost like, it's embarrassing. Social media does that to us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 But again, you know, who we were then is not who we are today. And I, I totally do understand that, but there is some truth to why are we, why are we doing what we're doing? And when we can answer that question, and we're doing it from us, through us, and to us. I think we like, like that's almost like the box checker. Like, why are you doing this? And if you can answer the from you, through you, to you, 
for for you. For excuse me, for you. Not to you. To you is powerless. Right. Something is doing something to you, but it's for you, not to you. It's for your growth, for your development, for your expansion. So right. it's from through you for you. That's his. And you're right, because if it's to you, you know, if you're just trying to like, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to look so great doing this, you know, going back to the intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now, what do you say to somebody who going back to that case that I was mentioning before that using this plant medicine, that, that these are just, those are just drugs. What do you, what do you say to that? Well, I nothing. <laughs> I say that's a good point. Uh, I say that first of all, labeling is important right. in this world, so that we can communicate. Without certain level of labeling, we wouldn't be able to communicate. At least not at this level of conscious development where we are now. But I believe in the future we will be able to. But that's a whole other story, uh, because we we've, we've actually experienced psychic uh, telepathic communication. Uh, but uh, I would say that, okay, labor is important to some extent. And yes, you can call it drugs if you want to call it drugs, but let's define what does it mean? What do you mean by drugs? Like, because that word has such a negative connotation, understandably. Caffeine's can, a drug. Exactly. Caffeine is drug. And right here. Ibuprofen's a drug. Coffee. Right? I have, you know, tea. Yeah, yeah tea, black tea. So, you know, and lots of food, uh, food can be- Everything that gives stimuli, you know, every stimuli is a drug. Sex yeah. is a emotion sugar, is a drug. Sugar, sugar is a drug. Physical. Yeah. Dangerous for your body, for your soul, for everything. Yeah. And how about that, right? So, and the other thing is also, the other thing that I would say is that as long as we use whatever we use, substance or behavior or whatever that is, with a conscious, conscious intent, with awareness and conscious intent, that's fine. But if we're using it to escape reality or distract ourselves from ourselves, that's what I would call a drug in the classical sense of uh, the, 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 the kind of consensual of a meaning need, of that word, right? You need right? outside agency to make you uh, connected to yourself, that you can be at ease with, you know, the feeling of not being connected. So, and that yeah. Last so, for a couple of minutes, an hour, two, day, a year, you go back to that dysfunctionality because right. you have... And so maybe, let's say, if your friend uh, works too hard, not because he's so passionate about what he's doing, or maybe he is, but I'm just kind of making this yeah, up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and maybe that person is very passionate about what they're doing, but maybe they work hard also because that's their drug as well, because it helps them not to be, and obviously this is just, a, I'm yeah. making it. No worries, yeah, yeah. Your friend, I don't know your friend or anybody else, because I know I've been there. I worked too hard. And as much as I love, 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 love my job, it's not always been about that. It's also been sometimes because it was easier to be there in that place that I love, where I feel empowered, where I feel knowledgeable, where I feel like I'm achieving something, I'm accomplishing something, I'm helping right. people because it was easier than just being, as I said, present 
to my raw naked self because that can be very difficult and disturbing. Are and you? That's a, my work was a drug then. Yeah, you're trying to fill a void. You're trying to fill a void. And right? escape from right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but when you use the plant medicine with a conscious intent to actually do the opposite of uh, uh, of uh, escaping from yourself. But Cave diving, you're, you're going into the <laughs> void. Yeah. <laughs> then, hey, if that's what you want to call drug, okay, right. then, great. See, and that's where I have a huge problem with this is because antidepressants are like they almost create depression i think they call it like ideotrophic or whatever they do they deplete your receptors for serotonin that's <laughs> you how about that's a drug by classical definition exactly so maybe we need to redefine what we're looking at i mean i i think about my own experiences and i struggled with uh with alcohol right because that's kind of uh anyways th that's just sort of what i yeah. Exactly. You know, for men, oh, let's go get some beers, right? And then before you know it, you're at 15 and you're embarrassing yourself. And uh, I just, I, I realized, okay, hold on, you know, there's got to be a better way of going about this. And I found out about, you know, meditation, doing this. But like you're saying, like you guys are saying, just turning into yourself and saying, what is it that, what is it that I need? Mm hmm Right. Mm -hmm. And not trying to silence that voice. So. Yeah. And not trying to escape from that discomfort because mm -hmm. once you start asking that, there will be discomfort. Yes. What do we really need? What do we need? Uh, you mm -hmm. need water, you need food, and you need to breathe. Of course, you need shelter as well, but you can yeah. go without. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's all our needs. And when those needs are fulfilled, then you would have to ask yourself, what other needs I need? All other needs are mine needs. And mine needs something in order to, it's like a buffer zone and it's like a band-aid, you know, to, to make a lullaby and then you can fall asleep and forget about reality. But when you wake up, you have to find another lullaby to fall asleep, another, another addiction, you know. So you don't like the word need. The soul desires something, right? The soul but the need desires. comes from the mind. Is that the what mind, you said? exactly. Okay. All other needs and the essential need that can that can provide, you know, life in this reality. You have to breathe. Without breathing, you, know, I like you can't that. you can't live without food and water. I mean, what else you need, man? All other needs mm. are psychological needs. And you know? really what we all actually deep down truly desire is to reconnect with our authentic self, with the essence of but the that's not the need. souls. That's yeah. not need, that's must, because you know, it's embedded right. in us, it's implanted in us. Yeah. I mean, you can't do anything, it's like breathing. Can you really stop your breathing? No, you can't. You can change and move and up right. and down, flow a little bit, stop for a second too, but you're gonna breathe again. That's, that's the mechanical aspect of the universe. It's it's involuntary, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, I I do think that we we need each other too. Like if we oh, were yeah. just by ourselves, you know, what I mean? like, because you know the, this reality is nothing else than the reflection of you. Exactly. You know? And how you treat, I tell people this all the time: how you treat and look at others, any anybody, is a deep reflection of how you see yourself.
Like if you see something that you don't like in somebody, I can almost guarantee you that that's probably something reflected upon in yourself. I agree with you to an extent. Yeah. Absolutely. If something consistently like irritates us in others, um, it's usually a reflection of us and something in us that we are not, that we are disowning because mm. uh, we like it and whatever we disown will keep uh, manifesting and, and coming out. So we're not in control of it. However, I just want to also add to that, that sometimes what we see in others, it's not a reflection of us. Sometimes if we see, let's say if we see, no, I don't know. Let's say when you, when you hear about pedophilia, right? Okay. That's a very, uh, very relevant topic right now. And thank God it's talked about that and you're repulsed by that and you are saddened and you are horrified and you are right. All right. The feelings you're feeling. That's a good point. Yeah. That's not something that you, that's not a reflection of who you are. Right. It's nothing to do with who you are. And Yet, murderers and yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Although to some extent to play the devil's advocate, we can say we uh, despise that because we know that that's a theoretically a potential we have as human beings because we are all absolutely human, human beings theoretically you know capable of anything like i know for myself for example uh when i was a very young i wasn't young mother i was 39 but my child was young when he was an infant and i am um, being a, a, a working as a clinical psychology in hospital in yorkshire in england where there's a huge enormous prevalence of sexual abuse and it's mainly incest incestual and mainly coming from three large families and the that whole area i kept thinking how is this possible what happens to a human being to end up in this place you know to hurt their own children or even anybody's mm -hmm. else children in this the most horrific way and um, and not just sexual abuse like there's always with sexual abuse almost always goes other forms of physical mental abuse and then uh, my child was just a, just a, a toddler. He was maybe a year and a half old. And uh, I was, uh, and I, I, we were in a hurry to go somewhere and I was trying to get him dressed. And I put him on this little stool and he would just collapse like this, like with no, uh, like he had no skeleton. And I'm I, familiar I, with that, yeah. Okay, you know what? <laughs> yeah. And I, really in a hurry to get to this place. I can't right. remember where. And I would prompt him and ask him and talk nicely, you know, like right. a therapist would, a psychologist would, and explain to him and he just didn't care. And about 15 time, uh, he, he was collapsing because I would prompt him immediately. So he doesn't collapse. I just let him fall. I literally, I literally withdrew my body and he expected me to hold him so he fell and i wanted him to fall and hurt himself so you'd learn <laughs> as horrible as it sounds i wanted him to get to hurt himself and then I, and then i thought oh my goodness i wanted to hurt my whatever 18 months old son what a kind of monster does that right. it, it made me realize oh my god i can kind of at least some to some extent understand how people shake their babies so to death, which is 
obviously mm -hmm. not something I would have ever done, but he gave me a tiniest glimpse of how we can lose all our uh, sense of what's okay, what's normal when we are triggered, when we just pushed hard enough, right? Because if somebody had told me before that, that I would do something like that to my child, I would think they were crazy. So I think because of that, when we recognize, because we are all made of the same fabric yes. and horrifies us that another human being can do something like that. So yeah, I just wanted to say, to add that as well, that it's not always necessarily a reflection of who we are, right. but of what we could be as human beings. And, and, and that goes back to what Ivan said about this idea of potential, right? Yeah. We all have the potential to be terrible, monsters kind of thing and do terrible things but we also have the potential to be wonderful humans and to love each other and to love ourselves right and often like you're saying these people that harm their children and you know sexually sexual abuse violent abuse really again there's that sickness of the soul a person yep. who loves himself they wouldn't do that to somebody right and so i think love and truth because as yeah. long as we are denying the fact that we are capable, that we have a potential of that, denial is the problem. When we are hiding from that truth, then actually, uh, then we are more likely to become that. What we repress, you know, what, how, how do they say, what you persist, res, what you resist persists, and yes. what you repress will keep yeah. manifesting and keep wanting to come up. Like, like pushing the beach ball into the water, <laughs> jumping up, right? Yeah, yeah. But if we are brave enough and willing enough to live in the truth of now, of who we are, and see, that's why I call it the naked truth and the naked now, mm. who we truly are, what we truly are capable of, if we are willing to see that and then yeah. love that, and then instead of disowning and denying, what we disown becomes dangerous all those people who do horrible things, the people who disown those parts of right. themselves, those wounded parts, and they have no control. Those disowned parts become the monsters, become the demons that they take over. If we are capable and willing to see that and own it, then we become the truly beautiful people that we authentically are. And that's the beauty, the and truth. That's, and that's how you heal the world. Uh, by not fighting the war out there, but fighting the war inside of your mind. Actually not fighting it, but just like loving it in a way. When with the love, everything is dismantled. Illusion will disappear with love. Yeah. The love, truth is gonna the stay. Truth is love. You know, love, love is, is purified, divine purified. Bring love, everything goes easy. Everything goes well. You know, put hardship and hate and jealousy yeah. before anything, then you're gonna, suffer and create misery I, I i man i love what you guys are saying i just realized though it's uh it's 5 28 and you guys got to hit your dinner reservation but man i i can't wait to expand on this this idea of loving yourself as the antidote to the problems around us right? Right. yeah last question i promise so you you guys said you had kids one child what what do they think you, like what do they think about having like, the coolest parents in the world? <laughs> I wish you would think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish. <laughs> One day. How old is he? Oh, he's twenty-two. Oh, he's he's, he's young yet. 
He's yeah. a teenager still. He's still a teenager. Yeah. He's getting there slowly. There was a period when he definitely didn't think we were cool in any way. <laughs> but uh, we can see his coming around. And he would say, he would say, Mom, Dad, stop pushing psychedelics with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He was 18. That's right. Yeah. 19. That's awesome. <laughs> but he's, 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 he's figuring it out, right? He is slowly coming around and wanting to talk to us and wanting to explore this and wanting to explore Actually, himself. Actually, he came, he came and helped us uh, at the on retreat. our wild, you know, wilderness retreat. And watching and helping other people at the end of the retreat, he came up to us and he said, "Actually, because we've been asking mm. him to do this, right. to participate, you know, and he's been saying, no, he approached us at the end and he said, you know, guys, I actually want to do this with you. Nice. That was cool. That was the beginning of him saying that maybe we are not as bad. Maybe we are a little bit cool. <laughs> well, there, there is something to this. I mean, there's, there's no denying it, right? It's self-evident. So yeah. thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you, uh, you both tomorrow. Yes. Um, for, for those who aren't aware, uh, I'm doing my first ceremony tomorrow with the Magic Witnessing team. And afterwards, we're gonna we're gonna debrief how that went. In integrate is that correct? Yes. Guys, I gotta say, I love you. Love you too. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, that was Lana and Ivan Rados, the two sort of spiritual chauffeurs of the magic witnessing team uh i was introduced to them through dr nicholas wong just amazing people who want to make sense of their lives and, and share that with with others and help other people find a, a sense of understanding within themselves and within the world um i'll be meeting with them tomorrow obviously this is pre-recorded so by the time you're listening to this i'll have already met with them and we're doing another uh, podcast after our ceremony uh, shortly thereafter. So be sure to check that out. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.